0: Hello and welcome to another rendition of the Conspiracy Analytica podcast. In this show, I like to have citizen journalists and truth-based content creators on to chat about their work, how they got red-pilled, and chat about the world in general. In this episode, I invited my fellow Badlands media contributor, Burning Bright, onto the show to talk about his substack writings that I'm a huge fan of. And in the conversation, we diverge onto talking about Q, devolution, the polarization of politics, and much more. We chat about how the both of us began to awaken to the world and get interested in politics, which was a very similar path for the both of us. We also talk about how false narratives and straw man arguments are falsely attributed to things like Q and devolution. Bright gives a great thought in that we should not focus on being tellers of truth as much as we should focus on hunting lies, which I thought was a great suggestion. We dive deeper into this poignant thought in the show. I think you'll really like this discussion. You can follow and support Burning Bright through Substack, and you can follow Conspiracy Analytica on Rumble or your favorite podcast platform where you can find these shows. If you'd like to support the Conspiracy Analytica podcast, there are ways to do that linked underneath this episode. Now, without further ado, let's bring on Burning Bright. Burning Bright, it's an honor to have you here, brother. How you been doing?
1: I'm great. How you doing?
0: Doing fantastic. So... This Conspiracy Analytica podcast, it's just kind of a shoot the shit podcast. I get different citizen journalists and awake and aware content creators on here to talk about who they are, their background, what's going on in the world, and et cetera. So for those of for the audience out there who aren't familiar with you with Burning Bright with the Eye of the Tiger, uh, how did you or or what's your background, I guess, in in journalism, in all this sort of work? What what uh gave you i guess the writing talents cuz i'm a huge fan of your writings they're incredible what you do on I substack see. and on your social media so how how did you acquire those skills
1: um i've kind of it's kind of funny i mentioned uh, on a recent interview that i took kind of a funny roundabout role uh, roundabout road into this burning bright stuff so i was one of those weirdos who actually went to school for journalism um, you know, whatever the hell it was now, 15 years ago or more. Um, so I wanted to be a journalist. Um, I've, I've always been drawn to writing. I'm a massive fan of uh, fiction. As you can see on the shelf behind me, it's all Lord of the Rings stuff. Uh, I'm a big fantasy fan, genre fiction. And um, so I I think the writing ability came from actually from reading, as cliche as that is. But I, when I was like nine, I started reading the Silmarillion and like old English literature and like I was reading stuff way beyond a normal level to the point where by the time something like Harry Potter was popular, even though I was a kid, when it came out, the writing style was so simplistic for me that I didn't like it. Mm -hmm. Um, And I think that that just baked in, you know, took years and years. But when I finally started writing, when I was a teenager and older teenager and everything, I, I sort of just had like a, a, Wide vocabulary. And, uh, but what's funny about the journalism thing is I went to school for that and it was in the midst of the Obama, the Obama economy. I graduated in 2011, and got thrust out into the worst economy until now of our lifetimes, basically. Uh, there was no prospects in journalism unless you wanted to be uh, an intern who copied other people's papers for minimum wage. And, uh, so I basically left that space and it's sort of, thank God I did at the time because I just think at the time I was sort of awake in in many ways, but I was like, well, you know, there's good journalists in some, some of these publications are good. And as long as we get good people into these mainstream media organizations, we can start to turn them around. That was sort of my mentality at the time. And uh, it's good that it didn't really work out for me there because You know um i would have been just chewed up in that machine i think so i ended up basically going on this whole roundabout path i went into sports journalism um you know fake journalism kind of Mm -hmm. and a lot of uh, a lot of different jobs until uh in 2022 i launched this substack publication basically just to get my own thoughts out on paper and get it out of my head and i had no idea that people would actually start reading it never mind how many did (laughs)
0: How many years did you spend? I guess in the mainstream journalism world.
1: Well, I, I'd say I never was officially in it. Um, I went to school for it, but I never—I actually never even applied for a position at a major newspaper or anything. So it was if, all if you want to work, it was all freelance work, um, gotcha. and and nothing that I would qualify as like nothing political journalism, investigative journalism. The only, like, I wrote for LA Weekly, which was a, a fairly big paper, um, but and, and a bunch of different stuff. It was freelance, but it was all concerning entertainment, culture, and uh, sports. So I'm a big uh, combat sports guy. That's that's also a lot of my other career is involved in combat sports. And um, that's really where my path took me. So it's sort of, I was still associated with mainstream media publications, but I was in the kind of redheaded stepchild section where you're, you know, you're not considered a real journalist according to if you're not pushing propaganda and you're just talking about sports and movies and things like that. And at the time, feels so long ago, I mean it was only a little over 10 years ago, but at the time sports and all that wasn't nearly as politicized as it as it is now. So you could actually write sports articles and movie articles and and breakdowns about stuff like that without having to decry racism and police or something. Uh, So it sort of insulated me from that
0: whole world. Right. And even 10, 15 years ago, things weren't as woke back then as they are now. So, gosh, if you were still in that world, I could imagine how cringe and how much you'd hate yourself. Do you think do you think you were a little naive with thinking that, uh, you know, the mainstream media would end up getting some good people in there and and turn for the better and all that?
1: For sure. And this is another thing where a lot of us have similar paths, I think. But I think mine is a little bit odd. I've I've admitted on several podcasts that I was a liberal. I was a registered Democrat. Um, I grew up in the Northeast in the Boston area. And um, I always described myself. I was smart enough to know that Democrats were idiots, even though I was one. Um, Even as a teenager, I knew that. But I used to call myself a JFK Democrat because I was a huge fan of his. I was partially fascinated by him because I grew up in the same area. You know, it's just it's just always been a thing that you, when you grow up here, you hear about the Kennedys. And um, I was always fascinated, even in fiction, by the idea of heroes and, you know, people standing up against systems and darkness and all that kind of stuff. And I always kind of thought that Kennedy was one of those guys. What's kind of cool, even though we go through a lot of bullshit in our awakening process, is I still feel that way. It's one of the rare things where I felt like maybe that was a naive belief when I held it. But um, if anything, I feel even more strongly about that. The naive part comes in that I applied that to a lot of other liberals, because at the time, I always say I was right for the wrong reasons um, and I was wrong for the right reasons. Uh, I was a uh, very anti-Bush administration. I never fell for any of that crap of flag waving. Um, I think it was kind of a brilliant psyop by the deep state where they got liberals like me who were not idiots to basically hate the American flag for a while, because where when you saw it in the 2001 to 2015 period, all it signified was jingoism. It signified it was used as a weapon. To guide us into these wars. Of course, now I love the flag. I have them all over my house. Uh, but I, I hated the Bush administration. I considered them deep state. So I naively assumed that anybody opposing them must be good guys. And uh, I'm, I'm, you know, not ashamed anymore to admit that the first time around, I voted for Barack Obama. Didn't do a lot of research into him because there wasn't really a lot to find on him. I think uh, intentionally so. And I, uh, I'm at least proud of the fact that for his second term, even though I still considered myself a liberal, um, I actually abstained from voting, uh, for the first time in 2012, I wouldn't do it. I wouldn't vote for Republicans because it was, you know, it was Mitt Romney, it was rhino. And, um, I would not vote for Obama because I sort of had had the, the wool pulled over my eyes or, or removed from my eyes and had at least an inkling that, uh. The problems I had seen in the Bush admin and 9-11 and all of that probably had a lot, you know, they were all in the same club. It's it's the George Carlin thing. And that led me down a path of basically for years dooming out and basically uh, completely detaching from political analysis or engagement because I just went, all right, well, they've got the right and they've got the left, so we're done. Uh, so it wasn't until the Trump era, probably like many of us, that I thought, Wait a second, you know, maybe there's something, maybe we actually have a chance here.
0: Yeah, our paths sound very similar. I think you're a few years older than me. I'm in my early 30s. Sounds like you're in your your mid 30s, but same I'm thing. I got com- completely <laughs> repulsed by the Bush administration and when Obama came along, I was uh I turned 18 like a week or two after the 2008 election, so I couldn't vote, but when I saw him win, I was gullibly and naively happy about it thinking it's progression and all this sort of hope stuff. and change man hope and change yeah hope and change right <laughs> and uh yeah come around come 2012 then i turned that's about when i started waking up i turned into a diehard ron paul supporter and uh you know the rest is history 2016 came yeah. around trump came around and yeah then i was like oh we have a chance we have a chance somebody left a great comment on one of my videos the other day it said if you're young and conservative." You're heartless, but if you're old and liberal, then you're mindless. Yeah,
1: I've seen that before. It's a, yeah. it's, it's true. It, it becomes true. Uh, but you know what's funny? Uh, there's a concept. That eventually, I'll probably, I mean, if I can clone myself, I'll start writing political books. But uh, I have this concept I refer to as the Patriot Pendulum that sort of describes what both of us went through. And uh, one of my co-hosts on Badlands, Just Human we actually had almost opposite journeys to the same midpoint. So he basically had my and your Doomer journey from the right. He was a, he was a conservative, you know, flag waving, all that kind of stuff. Um, and he supported the Bush administration because he thought, you know, strength and leadership and all that. He obviously became blackpilled on them, but he knew that Obama was the same thing. Uh, and we had almost the opposite path where we knew that the Bushes were bad, but we thought the opposition was good. Uh, but the, the the concept of a Patriot Pendulum basically refers to that. That's all intentional. Of course, we know in this community that there's a deep state and Democrat and Republican are just labels. Conservative and liberal, liberal are basically labels. But I think uh, what I've come to realize is that the deep state is smart enough to know that they need to sw- swing the pendulum back every so often once they start losing control of the narrative so for me it's like they were coming out of the clinton era and when clinton got in in the 90s he was very popular he was he was i know republicans didn't like him but the majority of the country did then when all his scandals came to light and you know that's just scratching the surface they swung back to patriotism conservatism They basically destroyed the idea of patriotism for the next 20 years. So they swing it back to Obama and it's progressivism. And that's exciting at first. And then they destroy progressivism. So, you know, they use this pendulum and they get the opposition to think that they're winning. Right. Like when Obama was was kicked out of there when it's Hillary Clinton and everybody thinks, well, she's a she's a liberal, but she's more establishment. She's uh, she's less progressive. So this will be good. This will be more centrist. And uh, thank God that that didn't happen, as we know.
0: Right. It's the pure polarization between two camps that are both controlled. So they'll every, you know, Clinton was in for two terms. Bush was in two terms. Obama, two terms. What's kind of interesting is that they were they were going to go. You could tell Hillary was the establishment candidate in 2016. And maybe that doomed the deep state is because they didn't swing the pendulum back. They were going to go two years, liberal Obama, then try to get two year or two terms, right. liberal Obama, then right. try to get two terms of liberal Hillary in. Uh, but big mistake. Trump came in and kind of captured that polarization swing. for well, the Republicans. A lot, One of the,
1: one of the things I like to remind people of, I know that most know this, but I, you know, I still get the comments of like, I can't believe you were a liberal. I can't believe this. And that's like, trust me, I can't either. But yeah. One of the things I like to remind people of is that Donald Trump is a lifelong Democrat. Donald Trump was a registered Democrat until when? 2015. Mm. So most of his voters don't even know that. Most of his voters think that Donald Trump is a Republican, which he is not. And I'm not saying he's a Democrat. I'm saying that just to your point there, the reason he ran as a Republican in my mind is because of the opportunity that he saw. He's and, and Patriots. Saw. They knew that at, to your point, Hillary Clinton was a weak candidate. She was an unpopular candidate. And uh, I think sort of the deep state, they got a little big for their britches. They thought they got overconfident. You know, we've all seen the refrain from the Q drops and elsewhere. They never thought she would lose. And you can see that that was absolutely true. They, they didn't think she would lose. And I think Trump knew that the Republican voter base was much more ripe to be galvanized in, in sort of the America first rhetoric that liberals weren't ready for at that point in time, but slowly he's been moving that pendulum back where, you know, one of the things I've said about him that I think is his most amazing accomplishment is that he's made me proud to be American, which Mm. sounds so, it sounds weird to say for a lot of conservatives who have always felt that way, but I didn't feel that way during the Bush administration. Um, you know, so, I think that's been one of his biggest gifts that he's given back to us is basically that get away from this bipartisan or this partisan BS and get back to, uh, you know, America first.
0: Right. Myself as well. You know, I had never been really for the American flag pre-2017-18. And I've never bought so many of them over the the last few years as the rest of my life. And we know, I mean, even people who call themselves conservatives are realizing that The whole left wing, right wing, liberal, conservative dynamic. They're just labels. They're labels to box people in into groupthink. And there's even a couple issues on the liberal side of the spectrum that I find myself agreeing with. Yeah. Like legalization of marijuana. It's a God grown plant. Who's the government to tell somebody what they can't inhale? And there's a few other very select issues. But I find myself, you know, as I grow older, as I grow wiser much more conservative leaning. But again, I don't agree with conservatives about every single little thing. Right. And and that's kind of the point is to get out of these boxed in group think sheet mentalities and just be able to see where truth, facts, logic, and reason lie. And it doesn't right. matter who or what political party you agree with, just what's what's reasonable, what's common sense. We need to get back to uh to common sense. So I wanted to ask you what what kind of made you start really red pilling really start kind of seeing past the illusion was it around 2016 with trump coming in was it the q drops was it before that because it sounded like in your in your story in the introduction of this that you know you kind of started questioning things 10 15 years ago so what what really sent you down the rabbit holes
1: oh yeah i um i'm 33 now i i think i was how old was I? 9-11. I was 12 when 9-11 happened, um, and I'm not going to pretend that when I was 12, I knew that something was up, but it was not long after that. I think I was 14 when I uh, was in an argument with somebody at school, and it was because, ironically, I always say one of the funny things about my life is that even though I was considered myself liberal at that time, all my friends were Republicans, Um, even, even though I lived in a blue state, it was just, I was, I gravitated toward conservative people. Um, I was also a fighter, I was a kickboxer and, you know, there are a lot of, um, heterodox thinkers in that community. So that probably influenced me a lot, Mm -hmm. but I was in an argument basically against the Afghanistan war and the war in Iraq. And, uh, I basically said they lied to us about, you know, the weapons of mass destruction and all of that. But what else have they lied to us about? And I went down a rabbit hole for about two years from 14 to 16 into in plain sight, loose change, all you the night Yep. Zeitgeist. Yep. All the night stuff. Um, and I admit that at that time I was even going into Alex Jones stuff. And that's why I say that if he's a psyop, um, it didn't work very well because, <laughs> yes. you know, he get, like now I understand. I, I sort of have a different opinion of him. I don't, I don't like him. I don't follow him, but I still followed some of those rabbit holes and they led me to other rabbit holes. And, you know, that's why it's funny because I considered myself awake. I went back from 9-11. I then backtracked into JFK. Most people in the in the United States, most people in the world, uh, the JFK assassination is fascinating to me because it's sort of the the botched assassination by the CIA that everyone on the planet knows everyone knows you, you it is more difficult to find a person in any generation that thinks the government didn't kill jfk than did so it's but going back through the jfk stuff with this new this new sort of awakening into 911 i went well how far back does this go and the reason i tied it back there is i was going well it's the bushes that are in power right now that's and then i i blamed bush senior for jfk So that's why I got into this loop of thinking this Bush family and all of their allies are basically the the deep state. That's what the deep state is. And they've been doing it since the 60s. So like I said earlier, I was right, but I was wrong in thinking that their opposition were not on the same exact team that they were. And yeah, I doomed out for a while. And when I say doomed out, I got real negative when I was like 15, 16, thought that we're screwed. Everybody's an idiot. Everybody I know is an idiot. Conservative, liberal, they're all idiots. They think that uh, liberals think that 9-11 happened, like they said, just like conservatives do. So we're screwed. And I just buried my head in uh, books and kickboxing for about 10 years. And then it was, uh, it was during Trump that I did not, I did not believe what I believe now about Trump in 2016 but I was vehemently opposed to Hillary Clinton. Even though at that time, I still considered myself a Democrat. I knew that she was so bad as a candidate and was evil basically, even though I hadn't even connected her yet to the Bushes. I just thought independently, she's an evil, horrible woman that we should not be voting for. And the reason I supported Trump at the time was not because I thought that there was this plan going on I didn't even think that he was that great of a guy. I just thought, oh, he's funny. He's fine. The reason that I liked him is because I thought this guy is not the establishment. And I didn't even think he would do a good job. I literally wanted Trump to get into the White House and destroy the government through through basic uh, incompetence, malfeasance, and have no idea what he's doing. And I used to describe him as the bull in the China shop. And I'm like, yeah, that's what we need. We need somebody to go in there and expose to people that if we got the wrong person in, this is how vulnerable our systems are, and I was very pleasantly surprised to see that when he got in, uh, he was better than I could have imagined. And you know, then the Q drops helped me start put those pieces together. That you know, this goes far beyond uh, what I had thought. And the biggest thing it did for me is it gave me that hope in thinking it's not just Donald Trump that's standing opposed to these people; it's an entire power structure behind him. So while we knew that there was a hidden power structure of evil in the systems, uh, it was the first time that I believed that there was actually a power structure of patriots that might have a chance to start turning it around.
0: Yeah, I I was a little doomed out up until, even when Trump won the election, I thought Trump was just kind of a controlled opposition establishment candidate, uh, even until the end of 2016, myself, but once he... uh, Once he won, once I saw the WikiLeaks drops come out, once I saw the Russia collusion collusion blame on him towards the end of 2016 and early 2017, then I quickly changed that mindset. I didn't think Trump was any kind of Illuminati shill. Uh, And then the Q drops came out. And yeah, that was a whole whole other level of kind of understanding or, or enlightenment to what might really be going on in the government. When did you first come across the Q drops?
1: I, you know, I was watching fights. I was watching some UFC fights with my best friend who's, uh, we both trained together for years and uh, he's, he was always conservative. He was always a Republican. He had had grown to realize his mistakes of voting for the Bushes. Um, But, you know, he would, he would always just show me memes. Like he got me into the Babylon Bee and all that kind of stuff. And one night we were watching fights and this was, I believe um, this was, only a few days after the first Q drop, I think I saw him either at the very end of October 2017 or the very beginning of November, and he was showing me Instagram memes, and he was saying, oh, have you seen the Q stuff? And I was like, I don't know what you're talking about. But he started showing me the posts, the, the first few posts. So for me, it hit me in a completely different way than it had even hit him. Because while he was a Republican, he was not a conspiracy theorist. He thought all my theories about 9-11 were ridiculous, which was kind of funny because I was the liberal. So I went down the Q rabbit hole and tracked it live from then on um, as it was going on and, you know, probably got way too deep into it to the point where, you know, like you start, you start exploring those rabbit holes like many of us did for that couple of years from 2017 through like 18, 19. And uh, it it was difficult but i think again the positive thing long term is that it tied everything together for a lot of us it it was like it was it's weird to think it's positive that the system is as vast as it is because what you start to realize or how many people are involved in this stuff because when you start to really dig into it it seems overwhelming at first but then you start to get this confidence that you're like these are the same players that are involved in everything right there's not that many of them so if we can start exposing them, which the QAnon helped us start to do, and Donald Trump helped start to do, then it started giving me hope that um, that we could actually take this take this back and and get justice. But yeah, I've, I followed it close to when it started. Um, I had already been hanging out on the Chans anyway, just for all the memes and and funny weird stuff on there. So I was in the right place at the right time. But it was it was funny that that friend a few months would go by and. He would come hang out with me and he would get sick of me talking about Q stuff, Hmm. even though he was the one who first showed it to me. So, you know, some people just weren't ready for it. And I think I think the Q stuff, even though all the mainstream media, they act like they're just Q zombies that just passively absorb information. uh, That's not what I've found. I've found that most of the people who followed it the closest were the most active minds that were kind of engaged in that research.
0: Yeah that's cool hearing that you were kind of a og researcher at least following it way back when so you know fast forward a few years you you just started your Substack last year 2022 yeah. so what kind of catalyzed you to start putting your voice out there and becoming like a citizen journalist
1: yeah um it's it's funny because like i said i was following the stuff super closely i was following you i was following uh like back in 2017, 18, and beyond, whenever you got active, I was following you. I was following uh, Neon Revolt was one of the original guys. Yeah, yeah. Um, you know, he's doomed quite a bit. I'd still love to talk to him sometime, but I have no problem telling him that he's a doomer these days. But you know, that happened to a lot of people. I was following him. I was following Julian's Rum. So I had my kind of regulars, and uh, most of them I still follow. But I didn't participate in anything. I, I researched myself. And I thought, well, the way I'm going to do it is I'm going to just try to red pill people around me. And as most of us have found that goes horribly. Um, you start to destroy relationships, you start to destroy friendships. Um, you become, you become that guy at the cookout that nobody wants to talk to. So it was actually doing a lot of damage for me, you know, family wise and everything. So I started to just keep it all private in 2022. I don't know what it was i can't i can't tell you the uh the specific thing that i saw but generally i started seeing the the gear up of the media industrial complex to sort of weaponize these these narratives against russia and i didn't know much about russia i assumed vladimir putin was bad just like they had programmed me to think um and you know i'd seen all the russiagate stuff and all of that obviously thought it was bs but I still thought, well, Russia isn't our ally. they're not they're not a friendly nation to us. And then I just I guess I just had a simple epiphany that was,, hold on a second. If I'm gonna question everything the media is telling me about Donald Trump, and I know that usually whatever they're telling me is the opposite of the case, then what is Ukraine really? And who is Zelensky really? And then by contrast, who is Putin really? And what is Russia really? And why is George Soros and all in the WEF and everybody weaponized against Russia? Why is NATO, who I knew was deep state, weaponized against Russia? And uh, I went down a rabbit hole and I just I had so much info in my head. And while I am, I always say I was not the first anon. I was not the first person to suggest that there could be some sort of alliance between Donald Trump and Vladimir Putin. It was in the Q posts. They said it directly. But I had never seen any real dives into it. I'd just seen Anons reference it, and I found I was actually frustrated because many of the thinkers that I like in this community, I feel like they wouldn't touch it. They would just sort of tiptoe around it, and I noticed that we were using leftist language. So one thing that they program us to do is you'll find yourself going, "I'm not a conspiracy theorist, but, right? You, you start question you start exchanges with normies by doing that. I found that people in our community were doing that with Russia. They were going, I don't like Vladimir Putin, but uh, the, the media is lying about Ukraine, right? So I just went one step further and went, hold on, why don't you like Vladimir Putin? And I found that when I asked those questions of seasoned Anons, none of them had good answers. It was because CNN told me, basically, Barack Obama told me, Donald Trump didn't tell you. Donald Trump told you we need to be friends with Vladimir Putin. Um, And, you know, I went into all that whole rabbit hole. So I wrote the Righteous Russia series. And um, I say to this day, I do not know if I'm right. Um, I'm sure that there's a lot of things that I assert there that will be proven wrong. But that's why my approach to the series was very big picture. It wasn't about specifics. Who's good? Who's bad? Um, It was about. Uh, the concept that I've sort of been writing about is the Sovereign Alliance, and that I believe that while we do have a deep state, there is a sovereign alliance that has been formed between Patriots in the West, Patriots in the East, because you can't you can't do this without international support. And I thought the timing of the Ukrainian invasion coming right on the heels of Donald Trump, you know, being out of office, the timing was too auspicious for me. Most of us think now, that the Ukraine invasion had to occur because of all the deep state corruption that's there. Well, it also had to occur with Donald Trump out of office. So I basically looped in John Harold's devolution theory in the US. And I thought devolution is international. Devolution is a partnership. And the way I describe it is that Trump tagged in the sovereign alliance when while he's out of power. So he's out of public power. These other missions are forwarded. He's going to come back in when the time is right, when he can when he can then play peacemaker. And I've I've never been more confident than I am in the last few days because he is saying it now. He is saying, uh, I need to make peace with Putin. I'm the one who can do it. So now he's seeding those narratives that uh, that I was writing about about a year ago. So it's it's a confidence boost.
0: That's funny. That's kind of another aspect of, I guess, both of our pasts that are quite similar back in uh, 2017 the first year i had my youtube channel this was about 4 months before the q drops like midsummer 2017 one of the f- one of the first youtube di- videos that i did that kind of went viral i guess i called it trump and putin trolling the world mm-hmm. and uh I did that video it. on the whiteboard and yeah that i kind of had that same idea that maybe putin's not this big bad guy not saying he's perfect. He's he's right. for Russia. He's got an agenda of nationalism for Russia, but he's not one of the Illuminati satanists. And right. then Trump having a co- common enemy in those deep state satanists working with Putin to, uh, you know, troll the world. And uh, you you brought up devolution. I, I want to get your thoughts on that real quick, since you are a, a good thinker, a good speaker. There's a lot of Uh, misunderstandings out there i think of devolution there's a lot of straw man arguments that people try to attach to devolution they just they literally just haven't read the devolution writings from john and then they attach all these other ideas to it so real quick what what would you how would you describe devolution it doesn't mean biden's a clone it doesn't mean trump's secretly in the white house running things from the white house basement or, or whatever but uh how would you describe it?
1: Yeah, I mean, first of all, um, I mean, even when I wrote my first Substack article about Russia, um, I a lot of people grabbed onto that because I said that we need to reframe ourselves in this community from hunters of from uh, tellers of truth to hunters of lies. Um, I think it is it is much easier to determine what is false. Than it is to determine what is true, right? So my whole Ru- my Russia research has not been about what Russia is because I don't know what it is. I don't know what Vladimir Putin is. um I know what's available to me publicly, but I do know what they're not. I do know everything that the media says they're not. So that's the same approach I take with devolution. While there's many shows and other people out there who have. Uh, there's people that don't subscribe to the devolution theory and that is completely fine. That's there's people within badlands media, friends of mine that I think are great thinkers who, uh, do, who have faults with the theory. They don't think it holds water. That's totally okay with me. Um, my problem is when people started asserting that people like John Harold, myself, Kyle, you, anybody tangentially even associated with the devolution theory are saying that we've been saying that there's going to be black Hawk helicopters and they're going to roll up the deep state on stage. And, um, everything's a big puppet show and all that kind of stuff. And the military is going to come in with mass arrests. Um, actually that's not what any of us have ever said about devolution. Uh, in fact, few followers are the ones who w- were saying that, and I am a Q follower. So the right. irony is that many of these people doing Q shows are the ones that have been talking about mass arrests for years and years and years. And I, I don't uh, mean to
0: interrupt you here, but back when Q was first getting started, um, You know, we were having such a difficult time piecing it together. We had no idea. Right. We were just kind of following it. I I was even a proponent proponent of the mass arrests are coming. Tribunals are coming. Right. I, I mean, back even in 2012, this was before I was on the Internet, but I was following some certain influencers I won't name here, but they were all aboard this mass arrests are happening. Shit. That was like 10 years ago. So maybe I still had a little bit of that in my subconscious that I couldn't I couldn't get out of there but yeah i mean 2017 18 i don't even want to go back and look at my youtube videos i'd probably cringe at some of the speculation (laughs) and date fagging i was doing but yeah i mean over the past two three years though up more recent times in in terms of like the group you name those of us that are even tangential to devolution or q it's like no we're not saying the tribunal stuff at all anymore right we're we're explicitly saying that you know there's just continuity of government plans in place for the patriots, I guess, to continue their ops against the deep state.
1: Well, and that's that's how I would describe it, um, is um, devolution is not how we take back the government from the deep state. That's not how I would describe it. And that's how it's often described by people that like devolution is this operation that's going to take the deep, that's going to take our government back. That's not how to think of it. The devolution theory posits that the powers of the commander-in-chief were devolved into the combatant commanders in the U.S. military. That doesn't mean that the office of the president is not held by Joe Biden. So devolution, to me, is not how we take the country back. It's the process that ensures that we have a country to take back when these operations are complete. That's the best and most succinct way I've thought of to summarize it. Devolution is a red line, national essential function guarding procedure, series of procedures, wherein, in the event of a hostile takeover, and the funny thing about the devolution theory is that devolution is a constitutional process that you can research. The brilliant thing about John Harold's research on devolution, the reason so many people started following him, wasn't because it was a nice sounding theory that gave everybody hopium. It was because all John Harold does is shows you executive orders that Donald Trump signed and explains them to you. So right. we know that devolution is a legal constitutional process that exists that the Trump administration planned. We know this for a fact. What we don't know is whether or not devolution was implemented by the Trump administration. That is the theory. But a lot of people who say devolution is just a theory, devolution doesn't exist, you're wrong. You are wrong. It is a fact that devolution is a process and continuity of government is a process that exists. It is also true that the Trump administration, according to their own documentation, was considering whether or not to implement continuity of government in November of 2020 after the fraudulent election of Joe Biden. What we don't know is whether or not it was implemented. People like me, the reason we think it was implemented, there's a a lot of reasons, but for starters, if Donald Trump knew that the presidential election was stolen, then guess what, guys? Retaking the White House doesn't come through another election. Because if they know that the election was stolen, they would be derelict in their duties if they willingly gave up that office to a foreign occupier which is what the Biden administration is. So the reason people would then say, well, why would they give up the White House anyway? Like the why of devolution. If they knew it was criminals, why would they give up the White House? That's where that's where my mind goes. The reason I focus and obsess over narratives is because the American people, right and left, have been uh, blitzkrieged with programming for generations. And if Trump refused, if Trump and the military refused to recognize Biden as president or the vote as a legal vote, even if they had the evidence, the American people were so programmed that they would see that as a military coup. The optics of it would have looked like a military coup, and we would have had, we would he would not have had the mandate of the majority of the American people. And when I say majority, I don't mean 52%. I mean, you need a vast majority of a public to not oppose you in order to have the pu- the, the mandate to, to rule or to rule, to lead. And that's what I think the Biden administration is. Um, I don't necessarily know if, uh, if we've got full puppet strings theories going on. I actually don't think that's as ridiculous as some people because I think there's a legal mechanism through which Biden could be controlled. And that would be if he's a cooperating human source. Um, part of the Biden doc scandals that have been coming out kind of lead me to believe that. But even if he's not, if he is a independent acting deep state stooge, as many people think he is, he is limited in what he can do as the president because he is the U S president, but he's not the commander in chief. And that the whole reason for the Biden administration is that as many of us joke about and meme about, but it's not a meme. It's not a joke, uh, the Biden administration has delivered the most red pills to the American public than anything Trump has ever done. So when Trump returns, and when we can clean up these election systems, I think that he will do so having been sitting on the sidelines while the deep state basically exposes themselves to uh, to the biggest audience that they could.
0: Right, in theory, you could just think of devolution as being the fail-safe. Right. The fail-safe because as you were describing the optics of the situation, There's nothing else that Trump really could have done except hand over things to Biden. So what are they going to do during that handover? Well, okay, we will tie the deep state, tie Biden's hands behind their back, not allow them to turn the country into shit. And then Biden administration comes in. And you made this point earlier in in your prior thinking years ago that, oh, Trump was going to be the one that comes in and just destroys everything and exposes the whole government. Nope. Four years later, that's Biden. right? And then the whole optics of the last two years of the Biden administration, like you just said, doled out so many red pills, have made so many people aware and awake to thinking like, oh, crap, we can't have this dementia ridden clown. in. we need Trump back. We need Trump back to come fix things. So it's going to yeah, be, that's, it's that's, gonna be easy. Mean- What's that? that's what
1: the devolution and that's what the devolution theory is all about it's yep. the dev, devolution theory is not everything that's going on people people think about about it as this grand unifying theory and it's not honestly a lot of the writing I do is more in the grand unifying theory sense um of, of what's the whole point of everything um and i again I might be wrong I'm going to be wrong about a bunch of things that I've written about and I'll be right about some things but that's why I try to take as big picture an approach as possible. I I try to use directional thinking rather than uh, getting into the micro because to me um, the micro just is it's it's so obfuscated, you know even even when it comes to scientific data and everything everything is so obfuscated it's hard to know you have to you have to know what the sources are the mechanisms behind it I think there's value in that but when I'm trying to map out where are we going I try to look at the net effects of of sort of the game board and the way I see things going is devolution is a mechanism by which the country isn't destroyed or goes to shit like you say and some people react to that when you say oh devolution prevents the country from falling apart and people go what about the price of eggs what about gas what about unemployment what about things are bad and the biden administration is responsible for those things the biden administration is also being they they are taking the blame publicly for these things but what devolution does continuity of government protects red line national essential functions so i often say even in my righteous russia writing that for americans who have been you know i don't mean this to be a jerk but are complaining that your eggs are too expensive do you know what the marxists did to russia in the in the 20th century like when we we have to step back sometimes and realize where things were going what they actually had planned for us. And what a kinetic version of World War III, which is what Hillary Clinton wanted, and Vladimir Putin was going to be the scapegoat, that was going to be so much worse, we wouldn't have a supply chain, never mind expensive eggs. So I think people, you have to try to keep that perspective in your mind of, of where things could be compared to where they are.
0: Exactly. And I really like what you described earlier is that let's not focus on truth tellers let's focus on being lie hunters because sometimes we're just not going to know the truth sure we can theorize we can speculate we can research and come to educated guesses but we're not going to know for sure so if we more focus on exposing the lies then we can help undo a lot of the programming out there and then kind of let people form their own conclusions once the lies are stripped away in their heads and it's kind of sad when I see what's happened to the idea of devolution on, on like telegram, true social rumble and whatnot, it's kind of, it's very similar. I see to what's happened to Q in that you've got a lot of these social climbers, grifters, maybe some controlled opposition, disinfo agents, just a bunch of clickbait shills that have come out. And most of them have come out the past couple of years. They want to garner some fame and money and clicks and audience for themselves so they latch onto whatever's popular like Q like devolution and then they just put out this bullshit rhetoric about it completely yeah. confuse people and then that bullshit rhetoric is what the layman out there then attaches to okay this is what John was saying in devolution or this is what Q is about no Q and devolution doesn't have anything to do with what these clickbait cucks out right. there Are claiming it does and then it just muddies all the waters and it confuses the conversation on social media and there's just a bunch of false attribution what's so
1: funny to me about a lot of the uh the claims against evolution is it's sour grapes i mean that's what it is it's um like you said some of it is controlled disinformation uh we we in this community uh know a lot more of the truth about that than anybody listening or watching our shows will ever know but uh so you don't have to take our word for it but yeah um you know there there is infiltration instead of invasion um you should take the the audience the audience watching you know listening whatever to any of us or reading any of us they should treat us and me and you with the same level of skepticism and healthy uh healthy debate or or perspective that you treat anybody with but there is absolutely what you should look at is, again, the net effects. When you see somebody advancing a theory like John Harold does, that literally just uses executive order sourcing and says, this is what I believe the mechanism, the mechanism of uh, of these operations is. This is the mechanism behind these operations. And then you have QAnon shows, show hosts saying that it's ridiculous when devolution would actually be the answer to how the Q operation was implemented. That's what's so funny to me. It's almost like the Q operation is the what. Devolution is the how. How the Q operation, what these things aren't competing theories. These things are congruent theories. They're part of the same sort of a uh, patriot matrix. And they're just two aspects of it. I believe that the Q operation was a psychological operation. It was, I mean, everybody knows it was, whether or not it was white hat engineered. All I know is that the net effects of it were it was the most positive psyop Ever actioned either for or against the American people. If it was a deep state psyop, then it backfired. If it was a patriot psyop, it worked swimmingly. And if it was random four chan shit posters in their basement, then they those did guys a damn are good heroes. job. Yeah, they're heroes. So um, you know that's where again people get. Um, I get it. They get lost in the weeds in terms of who's good, who's bad, who should I listen to, who shouldn't I listen to. You should listen to yourself, and you should when when people are making claims to you or advancing theories you should see who's being honest about what they do know and what they don't know and you know we we try not to throw mud or mudsling or anything like that because it just doesn't really it doesn't really avail anybody unless we see we see verifiable as you said hunters of lies right when when we hunt down lies and we see people spreading stuff that is provably false then i think it's worth calling that stuff out but um you know it, it it's also a little bit of context here i mean i've been trying not to be you know, a little schoolgirl about it, but Donald Trump did retruth yesterday a link to the Devolution Power Hour, where he retruthed somebody else who had posted the link to the power hour. And um, you know, I I've written, I can't have it both ways. I often say this with our ideological opposition. I can't write articles and thousands and thousands of words about how Donald Trump is a master of narrative and a master of communications, and that everything he says, there's a reason that he says it, uh, and then ignore when he retruth something like that. But that said, Donald Trump doesn't agree with everything he retruths. He's not endorsing every theory he retruths. I do think that there's been times when he's even put a spotlight on things that he doesn't agree with. So it's just a data point, just like anything else. It's a data point to look at. And, um, you know, it just re the the biggest thing is, if you're going to argue against evolution, if you're going to argue against Q, as you said, with the mainstream media, you better have read it. You know, if you're going to argue against Righteous Russia, you better have read it. And if you didn't, then your opinion is completely irrelevant. And that goes for for everything in an information war. If you are debating information and theories and their merits to other human beings and you don't know what that information or theory even is, you are irrelevant. Your words are irrelevant and you're of no use to a a community that's built on uh, on the engagement with an information war is basically as blunt as I can put it.
0: Awesome stuff, brother. So just kind of finishing up here, you know, a few other questions, things to chat about. What, is there any weird or out there theories that maybe I could get you to open up about that you're interested in that you, uh, that you research, what kind of weird woo woo stuff?
1: Ah, let me think. Um, Well, you know, on a political, on the political basis, um, I think even though I don't write about it as much, I actually am one of those Anons who believes there is more control over the situation, the global situation, uh, in the favor of patriots than many believe. Um, I do think patriots in control is much more literal than many people do, um, but I try not to engage with it on that level. Like, I, I you know, the, the Burning Bright drinking game is when I say bicameral thinking, I try to apply that to everything. So while I believe in my heart, there's a lot more control over the game board than many people do. Um, I try to engage with everything on a game theory level that the this, con- this seeming control over the Biden administration, right, or in- the international situation could be the result of game theory where the deep state has been all these traps have been set for them and they keep. But for me, I think the reason I have a little bit of that out there theory of uh, there's more overt control here is is just because these people are not as stupid as they have been made to look. And I know that it's a cue drop that these people are stupid. I get it, but they're not. You don't, you don't they're just get arrogant. They're arrogant. You don't yes. gain, you don't gain control. Because I always say, well, if you think these people are stupid, then what does that make us? Because they've been controlling us in every lever of uh, public power, the si- system of systems, as I call it, for generations. So how did they do that? Um, you know, one one part one way I can argue against myself is saying that the original people who built what we consider the deep state system, they were geniuses. they were they were evil geniuses. And it's possible that the current runners or inheritors of that system are basically just atrophied, mentally atrophied, um, arrogant and out of touch versions of those original architects. And that could be what we're seeing here. But either way, um, I think Patriots have more control of the game board
0: than uh than many.
1: In terms of uh, really out there theories, um, I don't and really I'm, I'm know. I'm trying I mean, to get
0: you to say that like aliens run the government or something, brother. I mean, you know what's funny is I don't,
1: I don't um I don't know why, but I don't care about aliens. Like, I, and I believe that uh, it makes perfect sense that they would exist, but I almost don't care. Like, I I don't. We have so think... much
0: more to focus on. Yeah. right here on this planet right now. Yeah.
1: Like, if aliens landed, I feel like I would be like, "All right, guys, we'll get to you later. We've got a lot of shit going on." Yeah, are you going to you gonna help us out
0: with this or not? If um, not, just get the hell out of here.
1: One theory, and I don't even have a theory on it. Um, but one sort of theater in conspiracy world that I'm fascinated with and someday would like to dive into is antarctica um you know i'm I can, not even I saying help you
0: there once you're ready to dive into those rabbit holes yeah. like, like i'm not, not saying flat like earth
1: or hollow earth or whatever i just am saying whatever is going on with antarctica in terms of government treaties and you can't go there and it doesn't make any sense so that's one of those uh i definitely understand why people think that there's a whole lot going on there then uh, let's do know. a
0: let's do a co-written substack article on that that'd be fun. Yeah. That'd be fun. All right man, hey. I appreciate your time here. I appreciate the work you do. Um is Substack the only the only platform you're on? I know you have a uh, Telegram and a True Social page, right?
1: Yeah, I actually don't post public. I barely know how Telegram works. I literally only use it for back-end chats. Um I post publicly on True Social at Burning Bright. I do have a Twitter account at RE Burning Bright. Um, but I'm not super active there yet. Um, But yeah, the the best platform to uh, follow my work on and support me on is burningbright.substack.com. I'm on a lot of shows now, so I'm trying to put out at least one major feature a week. Um, Everything I write is free, so any support is, uh, is just optional. But yeah, if people want to check out the work, that's the place. And if you want to, if you're interested in kind of what brought me to the dance, Just go to the Bright Archives on burningbright.substack.com. Scroll all the way back to the very first article I wrote. And uh, the first bunch of things I wrote was the Righteous Russia series. So if you think that that's completely nuts, then don't read anything else I write. And if you really like it, then you'll probably like everything else I write.
0: Awesome, man. I will link your Substack and your true social handle down below this podcast or video or wherever this is posted. And you also have a show on Badlands, correct?
1: Yep, yeah, I do. I do. Uh, I'm on the Devolution Power Hour on Wednesday nights with uh, John Harold and Just Human, and uh, my sort of flagship show there is uh, Defected on Sunday nights with Just Human, where it's all about defecting from enemy narratives and enemy uh, enemy information control. And as Just Human says, uh, everyone's trying to program you. Don't let them program the program yourselves.
0: Yep, your mind is like software make sure not no one else is programming it you're the right. one doing it appreciate your time man we'll have you back on again soon and uh yeah. thank you thank you yeah, thanks man take care